0: I feel like an old man these days and I wonder if anyone else can relate. So first off, uh, I'm still looking for a job, right? I graduated back in May of 2020. Um, I'm currently unemployed. So like maybe this, that has something to do with this, but all I do is golf. I golf maybe three times a week. Um, and the biggest keys to why I feel like I'm an old man is that I wake up early so i get up maybe like six 7 o'clock you know how many times i've set an alarm on my phone to wake up at 9 or 10 and it's pointless i'm up at like seven o'clock and then three hours later my alarm will go off and i laugh because i'm like i can't sleep in anymore i literally cannot sleep in anymore and i also go to bed super early like when you're up at seven you have like, and 7 p.m. rolls around. That's already 12 hours that you've been awake, and it's 7 p.m. I don't think even as a kid, like as a kid, my I would go to bed at like what, maybe 8, 8:30. But now, like 9, 9:30, 10 o'clock rolls around, and I'm dead. I'm so tired, and I don't do anything. Like, how am I tired? I don't do much. I ride my bike. I go to the gym. I play golf. You know, very much retired. But I don't understand how nine o'clock rolls around and I'm exhausted and it's only May it's almost the end of May and it's light out until nine o'clock-ish so it's so weird and I wonder if I'm the only one you know if anyone out there who's listening and you're 23 or 22 and you wake up early as hell and you can't fall back asleep and you go to bed early as hell you know what's up with that I don't understand why I'm I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm an old man, and uh, I'll stop ranting there. Actually, no, I will continue my rant for 10 more seconds. Uh, I do feel like an old man, but the good thing is is that I don't eat dinner at 4 p.m. In the afternoon, I eat dinner at a normal time. Welcome to Motor City Hardball, presented by Blue Wire Hustle. On today's episode, Casey Mize is a beast. When the Tigers go out west for a road trip, things seem to never go well. Whether we're playing the Mariners, the Angels, the A's, any of those AL West teams, uh, they always seem to give the Tigers fits. Now, you know, take it with a grain of salt— for the Tigers, it's it's a fat amount of jet lag. Um, typically, those games are you know always ten o'clock starts here in Michigan. Out there, it's a seven o'clock game, and it's a it's a tough adjustment. And I was watching the post game show last night uh, with Casey Mize after he, they were talking about his start, and he was asked something along those lines of you know for you, what's that like uh, when the team goes out west? making the adjustment to the jet lag and, you know, traveling, um, being behind your, you know, your body is tired because it's, you're on the mound and it's 7 PM when your body feels like it's 10 o'clock. Um, but Mize basically said he didn't, you know, he, he got good sleep and he kind of slept off the jet lag. Um, I remember when I went to Cal- California, uh, five years ago or so now, like I was jet lagged for days. And I felt it like I was waking up so early and it's tough, but obviously, you know, I'm not playing 162 games in a season like that alone is incredibly exhausting. So like I can only imagine what it's like, you know, for the players when you're traveling and you just played, you know, however, so many games and now you're going out West, you're jet lagged for a 10 game series that you're probably going to win two of those 10 games, you know, who knows? But uh, Casey Mize last night was just absolutely incredible. I mean, I don't know how else you describe it. Um, Before we go into some of the details of Casey Mize pitching last night and what I saw from him in person at my first game of Comerica Park last week, uh, I wanted to briefly shout out my Instagram page uh, because, yeah, you know, free ads. I'm going to just totally plug myself here for a second. Um, You can follow us on Instagram at Nostalgia Supply. Um, This is a vintage clothing uh, Instagram profile. Um, Basically, I've always had a passion for, uh, actually, no, I shouldn't say always. I kind of discovered this this past summer, but um, vintage clothes, you know, whether it's old sports teams or, uh, you know, old Nike stuff, whatever the case may be. uh, I think that stuff is really awesome. And I just so happen to be selling some of it. So if you guys are interested, you can check me out. Um, on Instagram at Nostalgia Supply, mi. Go take a look today, you know, shout us out, give us a follow, be like, yo, Motor City Hardball um, brought me here, and it's likely that I'm going to answer that DM and be like, oh, hey, what's up? It's Brandon. So, yeah, um, I'm just, you know, shouting myself out a little bit. Um, but, yeah, go check it out. So, last week, uh, I believe it was Wednesday, uh, the Royals were in town, and very cool story. Uh, some of you guys who are listening probably know this. I am um, I happen to be buddies with one of the pitchers on the Kansas City Royals. His name is Jacob Junis. He is... Well, he was a starter, and he's been coming out of the bullpen a little bit this season. Kind of interesting. A role that he's definitely not used to. Um, basically, we were introduced years ago. Shout out to Josh Weisbach. Um, he basically... Okay, long story short, uh, Junis is pitching in New York and against the Yankees. He basically hits Aaron Judge on the wrist with a pitch. Uh, Judge goes out for like two months, and Junis is getting like all this hate on Instagram. Um, Weissback reaches out to him and's like, "Yo, like I'm from New York. Don't listen to all the hate." Blah blah blah. They end up, you know, talking here and there. Um, I get involved because I love baseball, and I told Josh, "Like, yo, put me on," and he does. And, yeah, we have a pretty cool relationship. Um, that was like three years ago. So he gave me tickets to the game um, on Wednesday. He wasn't pitching. He wasn't supposed to start. But it was cool because he ended up coming in for an inning of relief. Um, so I get tickets to the game. This is my first game at Comerica Park in all of two years. And it's funny because walking into those gates was, like, weird. It was so eerie. I mean, I've been to so many games so many Tigers games in my life, and to walk into Comerica Park the last week was just strange. It was awesome, but it was so weird because you see everyone wearing masks, and obviously it's you know it's a Wednesday night. So granted, like we're not drawing huge crowds, regardless, but like still, it was just beautiful out, and it was just weird to see like not a ton of people in the stadium and everyone's wearing masks. It was just so such a foreign sight to me. Um, So anyway, we get these really good seats. Um, We were, like, 18 rows back behind home plate. uh, And then we ended up sitting, like, as we were walking down, um, there was really no one kind of, like, within the 5 to 10 rows range back from home plate. So we sat pretty close. uh, Ended up that we were on TV that whole game. We, as in me and Alex Kaufman. uh, We were on TV, and we didn't realize and we only knew because... So, two things. One, there's no more vendors. So, the, you know, beer, peanuts, like hot dogs, like those people, you know, walking up and down, that no longer exists. And when I went to the White Sox Stadium uh, a few weeks ago, there was the same thing. They didn't have vendors. And it's like, it's so sad to see because it's such an integral part of baseball and sports in general, you know, going to a a stadium or a game or, you know, wherever, like to see the the vendors going up and down the aisles that no longer exists. And that's so sad, but uh, yeah, so there were no vendors and there were ushers. So anytime like you have good seats, there's always going to be ushers. They're always going to be checking your seats to make sure that, you and your friend aren't a couple of hoodlums and you paid $5 for, you know, the nosebleeds and you're trying to sneak down behind home plate. That was not the case for us. Um, But this was prior to the whole weird mask mandate lift thing. So, I don't know. We we both had a drink. So, obviously, like, we didn't really have to wear a mask because we were drinking. But it was weird because, like, we were on TV. So, I don't know. They basically told us without literally telling us that when you're not eating, actively eating or drinking, like wear a mask, but they kind of just showed like a, you know, when it's like those, those little fans that you'd buy at the dollar store and that you could just fan yourself with like on one of the, that's like attached to a popsicle stick on one of those. It basically had a thing it, on there. It said mask on and they would just show it to you. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Like they didn't verbally say that you have to wear your mask. They just kind of flipped a sign at you that said, put your mask on. Very interesting. Um, But it was an awesome game, and Casey Mize pitched. And to be up close, like to be that close, and to see the movement on his fastball, his slider, like his splitter, like that was sick. It's always fun when you get that opportunity to sit close. And, you know, you've never been been closer to a 99-mile-an-hour fastball in your life. I'm not saying that Casey Mize throws 99, but to be in those seats and, you know, if you're lucky enough where you have a reliever come in who throws 100-plus, like, you're right there for it. The pop of the glove is, like, boom, all up in your face. Really, really cool. Um, not that, you know, Casey Mize isn't, isn't some flamethrower. I mean, he'll he'll touch, you know, 96, 97, but, wow, to be that close and to see like, okay, this is arguably, you know, this guy is our next Verlander, like, he's the next best pitcher in baseball, um, to see that for him, and now in his second season, um, and, you know, he's just, he, nowadays, he's so much more confident, um, and, you know, at least it looks like he's really pitching with confidence, but I don't know, man, like, being there and seeing that just up close was really, really cool, um, Great pitcher Casey Mize. Uh, it was a bit of a boring game. I think the Tigers won four to two, and we ended up sweeping the Royals. The Cubs come into town. We win one game on a walk off. You know, again, it's that same pattern of Matthew Boyd starting pitching staff, the starting rotation. You know, pitches well, and you can't really get any offense. Although Matthew Boyd allowed, I think, five runs. Uh, his ERA jumped to, like, what, 2-3 or 2-2 two, two or something? Matthew Boyd is just having such a stellar season. Um, very interesting to see what the Tigers do with him come the trade deadline. But, yeah, um, you know, Cubs, when they come into town, you figure that they were going to win that series. The Tigers got a nice little walk-off thanks to Harold Castro. Um, and real quick, I haven't talked about this a lot on this show, uh, but the extra inning rule in baseball when you now where you have the runner on second for both teams um, in the 10th inning or more, I just am not the biggest fan of it. I understand that you want to get you know speed up the game, but it's just it doesn't feel real. Like obviously the Tigers walked off and it was nice and it was against Craig Kimbrell who made them look horrible on the previous night uh, that that previous game. I was surprised that the Tigers even won even scored a run, you know, off of Kimbrell there. Um, but, yeah, a blown save nonetheless. The Tigers walk off with a win. But, uh, yeah, it just feels unorthodox because you have a runner at second, and it's just not, I don't know, it, it kind of bugs me. And it's obviously it's fair because both teams have an opportunity to score that run at second, but there's so many options. Like, you move the runner over to third, uh, you know whether it's a bunt or just a ground out, you know, whatever the case is. Then um, you have a runner at third and one out. So wouldn't you always? I would just always want to put that runner on, so you have runners at first and third, one out. You get a ground ball, you get out of the inning, and then you give your team a chance to win in the you know the bottom of that inning. But that didn't happen. Uh, Michael Fulmer was pitching, and he gave up you know an RBI. The Tigers were down one. Anyway, you know, we won the game. So, I don't know. The extra ending rule just kind of bugs me. It's not normal. Um, it doesn't feel right, like, that you just automatically get a runner at second. Like, the winning run is automatically in scoring position, or the go-ahead run automatically because of this rule. Like, uh, I don't know. It bugs me, and maybe I'm just, like, a baseball, you know, purist or perfectionist. And to see that rule change is a little bit on the uh, – frustrating side but um yeah it's not good i had to make a pretty big decision last night and that was whether or not i was going to stay up and watch the tigers game will i have enough energy or will i want to sleep at nine o'clock at night well i decided to stay up and watch the game because hey Casey Mize was on the mound. And Casey Mize has been the main reason to watch the Tigers as of late. Four consecutive quality starts. He's gone uh, at least six innings or more in his last four starts, in those four quality starts. Uh, But last night, seven and two-thirds innings pitched. He gave up three hits. The one earned run off a home run. He had three walks, um, seven strikeouts. He induced two double play balls, uh, one of which he – turned, uh, and now drops his ERA to a measly 3.69. So what have we noticed uh, from Casey Mize over the course of his last few really good starts? The first thing is his command and his ability to throw more for strikes. Uh, they showed a stat last night during the game, I believe, that said last season he threw first pitch strikes to about 54%. or. About 54% of the time he was throwing uh, the first pitch for a strike. Um, Now that jumped up 10% to about 64% of the time he throws the first pitch for a strike, which is really important and really sets the tone um, for those of you who really don't, maybe you don't have a great grasp on baseball or what it's like to be a pitcher, but when you can get ahead with strike one, I mean, it makes all the difference in the world um to get ahead of the batter is key for your pitch count for your confidence for every aspect of pitching it's so important to throw obviously to throws for strikes but the first pitch strike is huge um but his command was the biggest difference maker for me uh, i believe um you know and you got to credit Jake Rogers too who was just called up uh you know about a week ago i believe this was his second game handling Casey Mize behind uh, home plate, but for Mize, his ability to locate his pitches and get that insane movement on his slider, his fastball had great life to it, his splitter as always is great, but he was able to locate so well um, I want you guys to do this, next time you watch Casey Mize pitch, I mean any pit, you can do this for anyone, but do it specifically with Casey Mize, because I did this last night, and I was like blown away by it um, Anytime when you see the catcher, whoever it might be, when they set up, you know, they call the pitch, they want it here. So their glove is, you know, in the outside corner, it's inside or it's low and away, wherever it is, his ability to hit that target was like spot on. It was amazing. I mean, I look, I pitched, you know, I played baseball for what, seven, eight years. Um, Granted, I didn't play in college. Like I wasn't good, but I was primarily pitcher. Like all my life, I was a pitcher and let me just say, and you know, maybe I'm not the best source or best person to say this, um, but it is hard to locate your pitches accurately, like to throw where you want to pitch where you want that ball to end up, um, is really a, a talent. I mean, any and every pitcher in the major leagues has the ability to do it, but. Mize consistently last night was just hitting his spot time after time, um, locating that fastball. He had a couple strikeouts on the fastball inside that was so nasty. I mean, that's the biggest difference maker is his first few starts this season. I think he's got seven, um, but his, you know, his lack of command just wasn't there. Like he couldn't locate his pitches. He was getting behind, falling behind the batters. He was walking a lot of guys. His walks have slowly decreased. Um, he averages about a, a couple walks or so um, each outing. He's only had two outings where he's had one one walk or less. Um, actually, sorry, he's had two outings with no walks. Um, but he was just so dominant last night. And it's funny because I had this plan. I was like, all right, probably by the fifth inning, if it's still 3 nothing, like I'm just going to go to bed because I was tired. And... After that second inning, the start of the third inning, I just knew that it was going to be a game dominated by Mize, and that I would wake up in the morning, I would check my phone, and then I would see a Tigers win, and Casey Mize would pitch, you know, however so many innings. Uh, So he ended up going seven and two-thirds, and just pitched a great game. And look, the Tigers were not a great team, like, we know that, everyone knows that, but this is a reason to watch this team and to be hopeful for the future in a guy like Casey Mize, who we saw and who we are currently seeing turn things around. Like his spring training was tough. Um, His first, he had that one start in Houston that was like, whoa, okay, this guy is legit, you know, feeling it. Um, But when you take the number one pick overall, you obviously want to, have faith in him and that he's going to be, you know, the future of your team. And I think right now we can confidently say that Casey Mize is slowly becoming that guy. Um, granted, whatever happens with Matthew Boyd now or in the near future, you know, if we decide to to trade him away, be my guest, because I have all the confidence in the world in Casey Mize right now. And there's obviously so much young talent that's still, you know, waiting to, to be developed. Um, Tarek Skubal, I'm hoping he can slowly turn things around. He didn't look so bad in his start against the Cubs the other day, but he's been lacking a little bit on his command too. Some of these guys, the the young pitchers, you know, except for Casey Mize, in a, in a couple instances, um, are throwing a lot of pitches early on. They're getting into trouble. They're walking guys, uh, but Chris Fetter's had a solid impact on them. You've seen it with Casey Mize, and we've seen it with Michael Fulmer. Which, by the way, haven't talked about this yet. But Fulmer as the closer. At first, I thought that was crazy. Um, I didn't get it. He's always been a starter. He was. Not, I mean, when he was coming out of the bullpen, he was not good. Uh, but in the ninth inning, is is this his calling? Like, is Michael Fulmer was he designed? You know, in life, like, everything happens for a reason, right? Like, Michael Fulmer, he's the rookie of the year in 2016, 2017. Um, pitches lights out and then and is looking like he's going to be the future ace of this team. He's not the same person the following season. He gets injured. He, you know, gets a couple surgeries, has Tommy John. He totally, completely goes through the ringer. And now he's got life back on his fastball. He's hitting 99 miles an hour, which I don't even. I think he was hitting like that high of velocity in his rookie season. Um, his pitching is his ability to mix his pitches and get swings and misses is crazy. And AJ Hinch always talks about how he's like, well, you know, we don't necessarily have a specific closer. Um, I I don't know. I kind of like Fulmer as that guy right now. And you have Soto, you know, to come in to face a lefty, maybe in the eighth inning or, or possibly in the ninth. But is Michael Fulmer the closer of this team? I guess, and I'm actually all for it. He got the save last night. He gave up the one hit, had a strikeout. It's his third save. His ERA is now down to three point three four. But granted, he, uh, you know, he did have a couple starts uh, early this season. The first, his first two outings, um, his first three outings actually, he started on the mound. So very recently, you know, he's made this adjustment into the closer role uh, and his ERA has only gone down since. He hasn't given up an earned run since May 4th against the Red Sox and he's looked as good as he ever has. And so what if, you know, he's only going to give you just the one inning? That's great. I mean, this is a guy whose arm has seen so much, you know, with the Tommy John surgery and the rehabbing and uh, you know, maybe this is the best case scenario for him is he's still out there pitching, but it's a whole different ball game. you know, he goes from trying to get the win, you know, leading his team uh, as the starting pitcher for every fifth day versus now he could be pitching three days in a row with the game on the line in every one of those situations for one inning. So, you know, he's got the ice in his veins right now, and I'm all for it. It's crazy to see this turnaround. And some of the the moves that A.J. Hinch has made um, that weren't necessarily made or even considered, you know, under the the staffing and coaching of Ron Gardenhire. just seeing what A.J. Hinch with last night, I mean, having Eric Haas in left field and then him hitting two home runs, you know, maybe that's a coincidence. And, and you have all three of your catchers starting in, in, in the starting lineup. Um, Wilson Ramos, unfortunately, you know, was so hot for for a while. Um, can't seem to get things going. I really like Jake Rogers behind the plate, and um, I also thought this was interesting last night. Uh, Jack Morris was talking about how he always liked when when he was pitching to have a smaller catcher, physically, a smaller catcher behind home plate. Because it makes the glove look bigger. It makes you feel like you have a bigger strike zone, you know, a bigger target. I don't know if I agree with that. I remember when I used to pitch, I used to love having, like, big catchers. Like, big guys. Because, to me, it made me feel like the strike zone was just that much bigger. And maybe I'm wrong. And I guess maybe it's personal preference. But, I don't know. They, they Wilson Ramos, defensively, not the best I like giving, you know, Jake Rogers this opportunity to start behind home plate and then you know, you are going to get Grayson Griner back, but I, I was never crazy over Griner. Is the Tigers haven't had anything special Um, in the catching, you know, from the position of a catcher in so long. James McCann was okay, but he wasn't, you know, anything great. Like, I wasn't dying to hang on to him before he went to the White Sox, where he ended up playing well. (laughs) Everyone remembers Alex Avila. Nothing great there. You know, he had maybe one good season, and then after that just struck out every other at-bat. But I like Jake Rogers. I mean, he calls a good baseball game, and he's young, and he's uh, really improved defensively. um is a big, you know, is a big difference from last season. So I don't know. I, I like this this rotation of, uh, you know, Rogers starting behind the plate, uh, and then you have possibly Eric the left field again. You know, rotating between uh, uh, Akeel Bedu, Nomar Mazzara, because the outfield, you know, <laughs> they need to get it going. Let alone this whole team needs to get things going. Um, if we take a look at some of the stats right now, the, the team's batting average is .221. That ranks 27th overall. Um, 39 home runs. That's tied for 23rd overall. Uh, 22 stolen bases, tied for ninth overall. But you know, 15 wins. It's 28th in all of baseball, and a 4.85 ERA, which also marks for 27th in all of baseball. So, this team just—they need to get it going. You know, some things are slowly starting to click, and it's still early. You know, it is May, and hey, we're also not even the worst team in baseball right now. What the heck is going on with the Twins? Who saw that coming? last place they can't pitch to save their life they had a uh, oh what's that dude's name astadio i don't know la tortuga they call him he's like a big turtle looking guy you know came in to pitch because the twins were down 15 to 4 i mean this is a team that was projected to you know either make the wild card or win the central they've been that team for the last however many seasons and it's looking like the Twins are going to be sellers at the trade deadline. So interesting story there. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see that things are slowly clicking for the Tigers. Um, you know, a couple bright spots here and there. Obviously, Casey Mize being that bright spot right now. The reason to turn on Bally Sports Detroit and watch every fifth day Casey Mize go out and pitch. So I'm really impressed with what I'm seeing from Casey Mize. Um, you know the season's only going to go on and could he be an all-star this year who knows it's possible um he's he's things are clicking and uh i'm I'm really excited to see where everything ends up um, with casey mize now down the road so guys that is all for today's episode of motor city hardball thank you so much for tuning in do not forget to leave me a review on apple Podcasts, it's pretty easy you just go to the bottom boom tap five stars and maybe you can even write something it's all up to you uh if you guys are interested in also joining the show uh, i know i haven't had a guest on in a while that kind of falls on me just because sometimes i just like running it solo it's easier and well no i shouldn't say it's easier i just like to kind of talk and openly you know talk about my thoughts and you know what's been on my mind with the tigers and yada 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 but i'm always happy and open to talk with anybody else um, in regards to this team and what's going on what they like what they don't like and uh, you know see just to pick each other's brains so new episodes wednesdays at three o'clock i am brandon rothenberg we'll see you guys next week